Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we're talking about Kenobi Episode 6, the last episode of this Season 1, this entire series of Kenobi. We'll be getting into that along with all of our thoughts about this episode and a little bit of discussion of feedback, but we're going to save that for the end. All that more after a commercial break that maybe Darth Vader has control over, but probably the Emperor because really he's in control of everything. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox. I'm your host. They, them pronouns. Hello there. I'm Ashley Coffin. And I'm Paul Christopher Hoppy, a.k.a. Zen Madman. And I largely lack pronoun preference. But I enjoy a good overly grandiose intro. I mean, grandiose just seems like, like, if we're going to talk about Star Wars, let's be extra. I mean, if we're going to talk about Vader, let's be extra. <laughs> also true. Also true. Um, yeah, so we had quite an episode here. What, what's the uh, overall thoughts? The episode and now kind of... Now that we've seen the episode, we can kind of give overall thoughts on the show. What'd y'all think? Ashley? I mean, it kind of gave me exactly what I asked for, so I can't be mad at it. I got literally everything I said I wanted from pretty much episode three happened. That was a very awesome lightsaber scene, and it was so long. I just really, really enjoyed it. And then the story, that I thought everybody's acting in this was great. The story was amazing. I was very happy. I felt like this episode continued on the trend of the last episode to just deliver very solidly on where we are. And, um, you know, there's some plot things, but like really more than anything, the lightsaber battle was fantastic. Um, they didn't spoil it by having an anticlimactic battle at the end with Riva. I thought the way that that wrapped up worked really well. Um, the lightsaber battle ended at like halfway through the episode, you know, um, lightsaber slash earthbending battle. Yeah. Obi-Wan's like, oh, do you want to play with rocks? Let's play with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fun. That was really fun. I, yeah, I, I loved that. I, there's some concerns I had about the episode that I'll get to, but I want to just start there with a positive, especially because in terms of just the poetry of like honoring all the different stories that have come to this moment, like, that lightsaber scene was so good. They did the great things with, like, fighting in near darkness, and so the lightsabers are lighting up their faces. And I've talked before, I think we all have, about how when I think the absolute best moments of Star Wars media is in Star Wars Rebels, where Ahsoka confronts Vader and, like, knocks off half of his, his helmet. People have done things, you can find them all over the internet now, where it's a picture of that shot lined up with this shot. And it, it, it was so clearly intentionally lined up because here it's Obi-Wan knocks off one side of the helmet, Ahsoka knocked off the other. And that's so and, cool. And with the idea, I think, being that only Luke can fully not get the helmet off, you know, but right. just if you look at the two pictures, they were lined up so well that I was like, that is such beautiful attention to detail to make such a wonderful point. And yeah, I just thought I, I just thought that that whole scene was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that part, it, it references, like, Star Wars is so self-referential, like, at times in a sort of eye-rolly way, but other times in a really beautiful way. And I feel like this was the latter, you know, where um, it was a very clear callback to that scene that happens later in the timeline in Rebels, right? And, you know, the idea that... Um, you know, Ahsoka can kind of like take half the mask off and Obi-Wan can take half the mask off, but then Luke takes the whole mask off. And um, the fact that he said the same thing to both of them and he said like, um, then you will die, 
which I believe is that's basically what the Emperor says to Luke, and then Vader, you know, does a does a one eighty or a three sixty from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also that Luke says like, "Then my father is truly dead," and Ahsoka said, "Then my master is truly dead," and here Obi Wan says then my friend is truly dead. You know, it's like, it's very clearly trying to throw these parallels up. Um, and, you know, whether or not everything fits perfectly in terms of canon and everything, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, kind of not. But I think in terms <laughs> of the sort of emotional core of the scenes and um, how, it, how it comes together in that way, I, I think they really did a fantastic job with it. Not even knowing that, I love it even more because yeah that's that's so good because a lot of people were like you know the canon stuff is important but anytime you're going backwards with a story it's like well they have to you know they have to try to do it and it's never all going to make sense like like look at what game of thrones is trying to do like good luck with that prequel because we all know exactly what's going to happen so what are you going to do to shake it up and i'm sure it's not going to be what matches exactly in the books it's just that's why i'm like just turned a blind eye. <laughs> I think I might just start putting prequel in the same category for myself as time travel. As where mm. it's like, I don't like these stories because the problems with them always bothered me so much that I can't allow myself to, I can't fully enjoy it the way other people can. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you can, awesome. And have that, like, to this day, I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying Loki. Like, I'm very glad many people do. I just can't. And I... I I think with this one, yeah, I think those prequel problems bother me more than other people, and that that's on me. That doesn't mean it's a bad show. It doesn't mean it just was. It just wasn't what I thought it could be, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's because I think you're right. I think you're right. If you're gonna do a pre like, I think Rogue One shows like there's better ways to do those kind of prequels. Mm -hmm. But that we've had that conversation before. We don't need to get into it again. Yeah, you know. I I think you're right. Like, just that's your part of prequels, and that's fine. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the challenge slash downside slash for some people upside of these massive connected universes like yeah. you know the original trilogy was three movies of like six hours and change runtime <laughs> right yeah and now we get series that are like close to six hours in runtime right probably four to five or something but mm -hmm. and then we get a movie every year or if it's the mcu <laughs> we get th six hours of movies every year you know and plus all these series and it's just mm -hmm. actually getting everything to truly line up perfectly is probably verging on impossible and yeah. you know one of the things i don't love about all these things being so connected is that it does feel like each thing then reflects on another thing and that can either really be beautiful like it is in some spots here or it can really be kind of disruptive or upsetting if you feel like a particular character got treated a certain way or like maybe bumped off in a really horrible way or like you know and this is true of any movie franchise that's even just like a few movies like the Bourne movies you know it's like they do mm -hmm. something in the fourth mover and I'm like oh hell no you know but like I feel like there is a way to kind of maybe be like all right I know there's this idea that this is canon this is canon this is not canon that's canon but like I also for me I feel like you know you can kind of have mini canons you know, yeah, and be like, enjoy what you can enjoy. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> I can just enjoy this movie, this series in a vacuum and like kind of feel like it's a different telling 
in the same universe and like it doesn't have to all you know like the sequel trilogy i like some of the movies in that right i, I like two out of three like that's not that bad but like <laughs> you know and like okay rise of skywalker is like i enjoy it in some ways right but like i also appreciate that like it, you know it, it had some issues it feels like a video game but like you know, being able to kind of separate those a little and be like, all right, that for me, that's an alternate timeline, you know? And it's right. like, I know officially it's not, but I don't care. You know, like the last yeah. two seasons of Dexter, like, I don't care that just in my mind, I'm like, whatever, I'm on, I'm unwriting that. I, I rewrote an ending where they end up in Argentina and they live happily ever after, whatever. <laughs> you can enjoy your own ending. That's fine. I, I recently re rewatched the um, Return of the Jedi, which is still one of my favorite movies. And in my mind, at the end of that movie, Anakin Skywalker comes back and he kills the Emperor and that is done. Right. And like, if I think too much about the fact that there was a clone and so maybe Anakin didn't really end it all and so maybe Anakin what like, it's a, it's part of why I don't like enjoy Rise of Skywalker, but I'm never going to let it change the fact that I love Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know? I just have to mm -hmm. turn on YouTube to hear the Ewoks. I, I know. And, and cringe when when Vader says, no, no. Like, what, why did, <laughs> why'd you do that, George? Why'd you do that? It's emotion. We just, you know, these things happen. These things happen. What else do you like about this episode? I feel like I really liked Reva's stuff, though. I liked seeing her use, she actually used the Force. I feel like that was the first time when she pulled that thing out of the guy's hand. I was like, oh, she used it. She did it. Yes, I've been talking about this and I wanted to see it. Um, I didn't get, did, did I miss something where she was like, oh, if he has a kid, I'm going to kill it. Like, I just felt like that just came out of kind of nowhere. And if he didn't know about the kid and he obviously doesn't care about anybody, why did she think I'm going to go kill this kid? Right. So the plot could happen? I don't know. <laughs> I, I felt like at the end of episode five, with the, which I also really enjoyed, then at the end, I was like, they had that little thing where she found the communicator, which also didn't feel like the message necessarily explained that these were necessarily Anakin's kids, right? Right. So that's a little weird. But I was like, oh, this is just a plot device because there's some scenes that they're going to want later, <laughs> you know? And then I thought yeah. they did all that really well. I thought it was interesting how, you know, they kind of rehabilitated, like, Aunt Beru's image, you know? Yeah. And, like, had oh, her, like, Bonnie, do a thing. That, that chick. I'm, I was happy to see her. She escaped that Nexium cult. So good for you, Bonnie. I hope you're still doing well. She was the whistleblower on Nexium. I, I saw some things about after all she's been through, and I'm like, what did she go through? I don't. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Good for you, Bonnie. We're happy to see you. <laughs> That's excellent, and I'm glad that she got a you know a, a pretty rewarding role as as far as yeah. being a, a a woman in Star Wars. You know, um, and, you mm -hmm. know, they are doing better on that on that front. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of like Reva is now like I didn't love her story or the way it was revealed, the way it played out through this series. But she's mm -hmm. now officially the character archetype that I enjoy the most. You know, yeah. she is like um, like a Jason Bourne. She's like, um, I think, was it John Lee in um, in The Replacement Killers? You know, she's mm -hmm. she's uh, Martin Blank in Gross Point Blank. She's a retired professional killer who's now like, you know, who couldn't kill a kid <laughs> or like saw a kid and was like, oh, maybe I'll stop killing people. Maybe she won't stop killing people. I don't know. But like, not people. I'm, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm way more interested in where her story goes now. Although granted, right. in terms of like the canon and the overall story, it's like, 
Okay, now now we have another powerful force user wandering the galaxy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like just yeah. in isolation as a character, I I find where she is now very interesting and I love that she just was like, you know, yeah, she wanted to kill this kid to hurt Anakin, I guess, but like <laughs> and it's like okay, whatever. But then she got to there at the end and was like this this doesn't make any sense. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And she, yeah. I think she'd lost herself to the dark side, right? Is the idea. And like here mm-hmm. she kind of just, she didn't lose herself all the way. And and that, I feel like that's the core message of Return of the Jedi. You know, as much as right. there are other more explicit sort of references, like that's the core message is like, you can go really wrong, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you can't come back. And so to see her character kind of get that chance, I, I enjoy. And and then it's like, oh, where's she off to? This <laughs> her own spinoff series, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. First of all, I'll just say I did love everything about um, Baru and Owen. I think also clearly, even forget we talked about Obi Wan. They're going to get hit with the aging stick real hard in the next ten years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't look ten years younger than their characters in a new hope. It's, it's the sons, man. Tatooine has what? Two of them. Yeah, two sons, twice the aging. Look, somehow Jabba has cornered the moisturizer market and is just not letting anybody have access to it, and that's a thing. That's fine. That's actually there's a joke. I, they're all moisturizer farmers, but anyway, yeah, you know they are I mean. moisture farmers. They get their own moisture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm very glad to hear that. Again, this is just my opinion. I saw the Reva thing very differently, Mm -hmm. I think, in part because it it was funny to me. I talked about how I was so glad that they let her have this motivation, but still let her be dark side. Let her still be like, and I don't know, this kind of felt like it threw that all away. Like, I get what you're saying about the redemption part of it. I think in part because I had no idea why she was going after Anakin's kid to begin with. And then it... I guess because it, it, to me it didn't feel like she didn't want to kill the kid because she had this like, oh, kids are good. We should not kill them, which is a fair comment. But Paul and I had some thoughts about that on a recent superhero ethics episode. I think it was more because it was supposed to be like reminding her of what Anakin did to kids in that one. Yeah. And it just – yeah, it, it just didn't sell for me. It, it mm. felt to me like such an undercut of the character of like, no, she wasn't ever – she still really is this soft-hearted person. She's not really on mm-hmm. the dark side. I saw it like she doesn't want to become the thing that she hates the most. And that was what she was like a second away mm-hmm. of becoming because then she probably – wouldn't have been able to come back in any way, maybe, yeah. since there was that, like, straddling. Maybe that's why she was starting to use, like, the Force powers a little bit more, because mm-hmm. she was going a little bit more dark side. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I definitely understand that, like, your hatred for the thing that you hate the most overpowers the power to just do something evil. Right. Yeah, Because I don't think we've seen the last of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really fair. I think it just didn't get me there. Yeah. And, and part of that may also mm-hmm. be because... Since I know that Baru and Owen um, live, I just found that whole thing really, and Luke does, I just found that whole thing really boring. I was not... Prequel problems. I was not very invested. <laughs> and so it may well be that that's, that her story was sold to a lot of other people, and I just, as a, as a viewer, just didn't get it. And that's, that's that could be a me problem. Like, to me, it's not a... But I just... For whatever reason, for me, it didn't work. But I think it's great. It's awesome that it did work for, for other people, including the two of you. I want to go to Tatooine with a metal detector and find right? all the lightsabers. So I'm many. sorry. How many lightsabers by the end of Rise of Skywalker? How many lightsabers are just abandoned? There's a bunch. They're on Tatooine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I do. So so in terms of like Reva's story, and I don't feel like she so much turned away from the dark side. 
as much as she like she had this singular goal or maybe it was two goals right she wanted mm-hmm. vengeance on anakin she mostly wanted to kill vader right and then she wanted maybe to kill kenobi right but that's kind of yeah. unclear if like she really wanted that or maybe she just wanted to yell at him and like she really mostly <laughs> and wanted to use the pursuit of kenobi to bring vader out to kill vader right right and then she just failed at that so spectacularly right and it's like <laughs> she clearly wasn't going to get that revenge that you know she she no longer had the opportunity she realized finally at the last moment that she didn't have the power right to be able to do that that she was just outmatched there and it's um it just i i think at the end then she was like whatever i'm just going to go kill this kid and then she got there and she finally had the opportunity and i don't think it was so much like this like goodness or whatever i mean some of it i think was seeing herself in him and being right. like why am mm-hmm. i going to do the thing that i'm so mad about you know and like this is this just doesn't make yeah. sense you know and and then she just couldn't do it mm-hmm. and i i don't think she's like all of a sudden going to just like be a jedi or something you know i yeah. think she's going to be just like a, a force user who's out in the galaxy without a lightsaber. I would keep the lightsaber, gotta say. You know what I mean? Just keep the lightsaber. I would have kept the lightsaber. Plus, that was a cool one. The spin. We never, Riki's gonna be disappointed. We never got to see someone fly with the one of them in the live oh, action. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I in terms of the like stakes of that scene, like I don't need to. So, so I watched, this is the first episode I actually watched twice. And the first time I watched it, there were parts that I was kind of like, okay, okay, you know. But, like, the second time I watched it, I knew where the good parts were going to be. So, like, the parts that I was kind of like, whatever, I was like, whatever, you know, we'll just we'll just eat some chocolate and, you know, and wait for the, okay, here it is. Here's the main event. And, like, I thought the scene of her, of, of like, Baru and Owen, like, trying to defend, um, what's it called? Um, trying to defend their homestead or whatever. Like, it felt dumb in some ways, but it all f- also felt like an understandable sort of dumb. Like, yeah, this this is the sort of dumb thing some moisture farmers might do because they're just like, whatever, this is my home. I've got a <laughs> shotgun. Yeah. You know, you're not going to come take my kid yeah. away. We're not going to run away. And, like, I liked that the only reason that they were able to put up any resistance is because Reva was you know, stabbed through the gut with a lightsaber, which apparently we've decided is no longer really all that big a deal, which like, we'll talk about <laughs> yeah, Qui-Gon in a minute. Qui-Gon. Um, it's going to be like, what the? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but then I, I thought the fact that she kind of just was like, yeah, but you're you're not actually going to stop me. I mean, come on, let's be real, you know? So it, right. it felt like a, a reasonable, in terms of like getting to that scene, like, if anything I really hated had happened, I would have been very upset. Because I would have been like, this is ridiculous. Why did they do that? Why is she doing this? She found the stupid thing. Come on. But it's like, because there weren't any, like, real negative consequences from That's the fair. contrivances, I, I just, I give more leeway then. You know, I'm like, all right, you didn't you didn't ruin anything. Um, except, like, <laughs> Oh, the was bar like, has fallen a lot for us with Star Wars. I don't know. I mean, That's you did you know? It had to happen. But also just, I feel like this season, <laughs> this series is a lot like Mandalorian season two, where like in the beginning, I was like, ah, oh, like, eh, like there's some good stuff, but like, don't show me that. And like, what are we doing here? And then towards the end, it's like, <laughs> okay, okay. You know, and to the point where I'm like, I don't know, I might not watch these things the night they come out. You know, I might just wait 
Wait, I was going to do that with Boba Fett, but I didn't manage to. But, like, just wait. Just watch the whole thing as, like, a six-hour movie, four-hour movie, whatever. Because then, like, the early parts that I don't like as much, like, I won't remember them by the end of the, <laughs> the show. Yeah. And I'll just focus on the good parts. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's really funny how we just are kind of reversed that way. Because I liked the first episodes, I think, a lot more than you did. Mm-hmm. But in both, like, there were times where I was like, so here's what I think is happening here. And you were like, uh, it seems like some headcanon there. And, like, what you're saying about Riva, I'm like, but we didn't see that. Like, I think we can headcanon. Like, it, and I think it's just – I think it's just interesting that, like, you know, different things hit for different people. Because um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think – I to me, I think the biggest thing I – the biggest complaint I think I have about the show is it feels like if we had a lot more time with Riva, like, I think you could have given us a lot more of that Riva story and would have sold me on what you're talking about. Okay. I also think we had a lot – like, to me – I can totally see how this moment of having to fight her off makes Owen and uh, Baru even more, like, jaded about this whole thing. And that's even more why they're like, Luke, you can't go off. You need to stay here. I would like more time with that, you know? Mm. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I think it's – it's. I don't know. <laughs> I felt like it could have been a two-and-a-half-hour movie, like, the whole season. Also possible. Also possible. You know, possible, I yeah. felt like you could have left some of the stuff out in the beginning, some of the, like, chasing, 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 you know, and made some things a little tighter, and, and uh, <laughs> it would have worked for me as a two-and-a-half-hour movie. But it, it, this really, I don't know if you'd agree, but this limited series really felt to me more like a serial than, like, episodic compared to the Mandalorian where the Mandalorian's very episodic, right? Where yes. each there's all these side quests mm-hmm. and stuff. It's like they land on a new planet and something happens, then they land on another new planet. And I know here they were moving back and <laughs> forth some, but it felt to me like this was like chapter 1 of a very clear story. I know the episodes are titled chapters, right? In in right. Mandalorian or whatever. But like they don't yeah. feel they feel like chapters of the Hobbit, not chapters of Lord of the Rings or something. Whereas this feels to me the Hobbit's, like, very episodic where, like, every chapter is, like, some totally different danger yeah. or something different happens. But, like, here it, it felt <laughs> like this really was just one continuous story, you know, that um, to me, it, you know, it felt mm-hmm. like it didn't necessarily need to be broken up into episodes where, like, at least they could just release them all at once. Come on. <laughs> Not on the same day as they also have Miss Marvel and Multiverse of Madness and Umbrella Academy comes on. I mean, oh my gosh. what are we doing here? Anyway, all right, end rant. Yeah, I had to rip myself away from the first 15 minutes of Mama. I was like, I'm just going to throw it on. And I was like, why did I do that? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was doing the, I was doing the spoiler dance because I really wanted to find, like, uh, Twitter and TikTok comments about Kenobi, but I haven't gotten to watch Ms. Marvel yet, so it's having to oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That can be rough. So let me get into one other thing that I had a major problem with. I'm wondering how you all felt about it. And this is kind of like a, it's an ethical issue as much as anything else. In some of the Spider-Man movies, I, I think it's, this is in the Tobey Maguire one where it's the most pronounced. But it's kind of a like a continuation of the with great power comes great responsibility. At one point early on, he says, you know, if you have the power to stop something and you don't, then it's on you. Vader gave Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan some advice at one point that Obi-Wan chose not to take again. So can Mm -hmm. I just say that Obi-Wan's responsible for the blowing up of Alderaan because he won't kill Vader? Like, the the, the Alderaan thing is an exact thing. That's more Tarkin. But, like, I don't know. I I, I looked at him like he was having this guilt about all the things Vader was doing 
Vader specifically says, you should have killed me. He disarms him. He knocks him to his knees. He's won the fight. Just walking away to me felt like, Obi-Wan, what? Maybe you don't, maybe you can't kill him, but like arrest him or like cut off his hands or do something already. That didn't work. But like, I don't know. Obi-Wan just walking away. That, I think that was a real hard moment for me where I was just like, with all the stuff I know Vader goes on to do, knowing that Obi-Wan had this chance to end it and doesn't again. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, that, that was really hard for me. How, how'd you all feel about that? I just laughed. My notes say, oh, there you go again. You're going to regret that benefit of hindsight later. No wonder you aged a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My notes say these dudes are really not good at making sure people are dead. Yeah. <laughs> because first Vader leaves Reva alive for no apparent reason. Right. Seems very out of character. That guy even says he's like, revenge helps keep you alive. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm like... like like, I think she is now a fascinating character that I'm very interested to see where they go with. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Early on, I was like, how is she possibly going to make it out of this series alive? <laughs> and after that, I was like, when she, att- like, ha- like, no, that just doesn't make any sense. It's just clearly acrobatic writing, trying to leave characters alive because you want to use them later. Okay. Um, Vader burying Obi-Wan and then just being like, yep, well, I guess he's dead. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> use the force. You know what I mean? Like, yes. he would know if he was dead or not. That was just ridiculous also. But, you know, they, they wanted some more earthbending scenes. So. <laughs> yeah. And that was so cool. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. But, the I mean, the thing is, okay, so first of all, in terms of, like, the lightsaber battle itself, mm-hmm. like, the lighting and the sound were so amazing. The choice of camera angles were really, really interesting. Yeah. You know, I think they, they gave you this... Uh, like the emotion, right, mm-hmm. that that you get through the fight, not just through the dialogue and stuff, but through the cinematography and the editing and the way the, the camera movement, um, you know, and the lightsaber mm-hmm. light on their faces, yeah. right? Um, that's all that's all amazing. And like Obi-Wan using the stance with like the two fingers and pointing the lightsaber oh, and whatever. Super cool. Super cool. Um, so cool. But like some of the like, you know... Bleh. They are so much more powerful here than anywhere else ever. There's this real power escalation problem, I think. Mm -hmm. And then whatever the next thing is that someone does with some, you know, really powerful Jedi, they're definitely, definitely going to be more powerful than these two are here. And it's just because there's this like inflation when it comes to powers. And it's, it's a little unfortunate, I think, you know, because it feels like you have to do something a little more bamba- bombastic, a little more impressive for people to really notice, not just be like, oh, they, you know, they did that thing mm-hmm. again, you know, oh, yeah, that was cool. You know, it's like, so I, I think that is, I, I kind of chose to look at this as like a sequel to the prequels in terms of now yeah. they're kind of at this higher level of power and there's part of it's the emotions and whatever. And it seems like Obi-Wan mm-hmm. is fueled by his, um, you know, caring about the kids, which is interesting because it totally was connection that gave him power, you know, like attachment, really, mm-hmm. I think. So I think that's kind of an interesting comment in some ways um, on the whole Jedi thing. But like, yeah, then when you go, if you go and you watch A New Hope right after that lightsaber battle, like, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, it already was the least impressive lightsaber battle in any of Star Wars. But like, it's gonna, <laughs> it's just, I mean, you know. 
Well, they didn't have anything to throw exactly. at each other. <laughs> There's nothing to throw at like, each other. I'm the old man. Here. I love that fight. I think it's a great fight. I think it's very well staged. I I prefer it, honestly, to some of like the super whiz-bang, jumping-off-the-walls sure. hardcore. Yeah. And, like, and I'm, I'm just laughing at myself here because someone in the Stranded Panda chat was like, wow, looking back at that fight, it doesn't hold up. You know, they just don't do all the stuff. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, Mozart didn't have electric guitars and Casablanca didn't have CGI. Like, it just... I'm an old fogey. I get it. <laughs> I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Mm. I want that to be the pinnacle of fight scenes. And it's just because it's the fight scene I saw when I was a kid. So that's right, most right. relevant. It's funny because Ken was saying we were just talking about the lightsaber fights. And, you know, he said as someone who's not as into the things, having to watch it over and over again, it gets boring. But so how recently he was like, even in Rise of Skywalker, that one wasn't as great as what they did in The Phantom Menace, like Rey versus Kylo Ren in the snow. Like that was a really good lightsaber fight. He's like a lot right. of the other ones you can just they don't look like they're trying to hurt each other. Right. right. Uh, like, like they don't dancing. even look like, yeah, they're dancing. He's like now more recently with Mandalorian in this one they're Every time there's a lightsaber fight, they're doing something a little different. And it really does keep it interesting because then it's just not like definitely, here goes definitely. another lights for people who aren't like totally into it. You're like, oh, that was really cool. Yeah, for sure. Like to me, the absolute worst of lightsaber fights is the bouncing green ball. Oh, you know, Yoda. When, when Yo- Yoda. Yoda. Yoda is fighting the emperor and they're like throwing around like senatorial platforms. And yeah, it just looks it's complete CGI nonsense. It looks like it has nothing to do with right, the real right. fight. So yeah, I, there was one moment in this where they're like back to back for a second. And I was like, I was struck by how I wasn't bothered by it because that, that could have <laughs> been the dance scene or it could have been bad comedy. Instead, it just felt like that's just the way they keep turning and slashing and moving. And they are in that position for a second. And it's, and then it goes on. I was like, that's that's brilliant hmm. choreography. Vader's got that big gate. You can kind right, of hide behind right. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of felt that a little bit. Like, I was kind of like, hmm, okay. <laughs> it didn't last that long, you know. Um, but, I mean, you know, kind of getting in behind someone as they're turning. Like, that is a thing. Like, my favorite technique right. in Taekwondo ever was basically someone throws a bat kick and you just, like, slip it. And it just kind of slips by you and then you kick them in the face as they're straightening up. Yeah, good times. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know what you mean about like sort of the classic, you know, lightsaber battles. For me, um, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which I've rewatched very recently, um, still hold up for me, you know, in terms of, you know, yeah. they, they the choreography was definitely on a, on a level above the first Star Wars movie. But, you know, I mean... Obi-Wan is, it's like he's not really trying to win for whatever reason, you know? Um, I do feel like here with Obi-Wan being this powerful, it's like, I don't know, he looks like he could take on the Empire himself, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, but, but, you know, he doesn't, so we we don't know what happens after that, but... um, yeah, I, I I feel like this wouldn't be the worst time to insert, like, an anti-ageism uh, rant, but I, I won't go on a whole mm-hmm. one. But, like, I do kind of, I guess, appreciate sort of, sort of Obi-Wan's, like, oh, I'm just an old man, blah, 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 in terms of, like, I, if Star Wars wasn't so ageist in terms of the way it treats its older characters, that wouldn't have bothered mm-hmm. me because it kind of mirrors, like, sort of what you're saying, which I think is, I think is this kind of, like, internalized ageism. Right. That, you know, it's like, it's the sort of thing that bothered me when I was younger. It bothers me now. And I imagine it will bother me when I'm older as well. Um, I do think that this series does Wait, a good. 
You, yeah. you think I'm having internalized ageism for loving that fight? No, um, for calling yourself like an old fogey and whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I think that's a thing, you know, um, which isn't like a, I don't mean that like as a criticism, maybe, yeah. maybe more of a, uh, an observation or whatever. I, I think for me, it's more just that I, I think there is a tendency among older folk to sort of have a, and I think in Star Wars fandom, this is definitely a thing, but a lot of things, you know, like my father would often talk about how the music I listened to was just noise and his generation understood real music. Mm -hmm. It's more, I'm being <laughs> self-aware that that's what I'm doing. And sure. it's not about my age. It's just about me being like crotchety. Like I, you know, I just, I don't like change often. I like yeah. things the way they were. And yeah. that's, that's more, I'm just <laughs> sort of making fun of that tendency. Sure. But I think you're right. There is some level of, I think the flip side of it can be because old people like it, it's therefore bad. Right. And that I think is something that what I'm saying is kind of, Coming close to that line, and I think I, I can hear you in that regard. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 kind of kind of what I mean. Um, I I do think that this series does a good job of sort of. I mean, I think there's a lot of ageism towards children as well, like just taking children for granted and not seeing them as people. Mm -hmm. And I think it does a great job of um, portraying Leia as this complex person, you know, who is going to grow up to be a particular person, right? But also who already is is a particular person, you know. And I mean. Honestly, I I liked the chase scene in the very first episode. I'm just going to say that. I understand. Like, I actually thought it was shot well. I understand it feeling a little weird to some people, right? But, like... <laughs> I think that people got, like, way overly offended from just being like, there's no... I mean, people being like, I could catch a kid. Right, right, right. And they're like, no, you, you she's know what? Like, Nobody was you, taking it that you, seriously. You probably Calm couldn't down. catch a kid that easily in a forest. Like, whoever you are, like, just trust me. Kids are hard to catch. I've tried. I mean, I used to teach Taekwondo, and you have to, like, run around. I think around you should just stop right you know, there. You to... no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like herding cats. But, like, you know, but, the, like, it's not like she got away. It's like Luke here was running for a while, and he was up against somebody who was using the Force and was twice his size, and then he got knocked out. Like, that that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, like, th there were bits where she was, like, being so obstinate and, like, you know, no, you know? And, like, I found that irritating, but, like, I don't find it unrealistic. You know, yeah. I, it did feel mm -hmm. in episode two a little bit kind of like, I think it was the second episode or part two, where it felt a little bit like they just wanted it for the plot convenience, you know, or here where it's like they kind of wanted it for just the conflict. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, yeah, she's upset that he's going off on his own and she thinks he might get killed and he's not going to be the one taking her home. You know, they've they formed a bond and, mm -hmm. and I get it. You know, it's just, you know, that's yeah. that's part of what 10-year-olds sometimes do that's annoying. But, like, not all 10-year-olds do that mm -hmm. and certainly don't do it all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I think, I, I think overall, like, I think Leia was one of my favorite parts of the show. I think it was a complete surprise to me. I didn't know we would get that, but I really love it. If you want to dive deep into how much it lines up with that, like, I, I've used a phrase that Paul has pointed out uh, is quite humorous at times where I talk about that I like things that are in the spirit of the truth. Right. <laughs> and, and in some ways, I think that's kind of where I'm landing with a lot of this stuff. Whereas, yeah. like, to me, does the exact things what happens with Leia line up with exact things she says later? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But I think it is in the spirit of what, you know, who her character is and who she becomes. For me, the mm -hmm. Obi-Wan Vader stuff doesn't quite feel that way. Um, but it does for other people, and that's fine. Um, you know. What did you all think of getting Qui-Gon at the very end and how we got him? 
I want to hear what you think before what I think. But <laughs> Ashley, maybe you want to go. First. I mean, I liked it. I was happy with mm-hmm. it. We were expecting it. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was coming. So I wasn't shocked. Right. I was shocked at how good Liam Nielsen actually looked. I was like, you look exactly the same. Good yeah. job. <laughs> I, I, for me, I felt like I got to that moment and I was like, oh, this is what you mean about fan service. Mm-hmm, I get Because mm-hmm. um, to me, like, I didn't want Qui-Gon just to say I got to see Qui-Gon. Right. I wanted Qui-Gon because I thought that one of the most interesting things happening right now is Obi-Wan's interiority and Obi-Wan coming to terms with what's happened, figuring out what he's going to do next. And the idea that talking to Qui-Gon, I was like, that could be really fascinating. And so when Qui-Gon just shows up and says, hey, we should be chatting more. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, we should be chatting more. Let's ride off into the sunset credits. I was like, you checked the box, but then there was nothing in the box. <laughs> I like that kind of fan service. We're going to give it to you, but we're not going to give you everything that you right. want. So yeah. <laughs> well, after they just gave us fan service with him saying hello there. Right. Yeah, yeah, like it exactly. Right it was like other. we just got the fan service, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said the thing, <laughs> and now he's saying the other thing about what took you so long or something, right? Was That's a line in yeah. one mm-hmm. of those, I think, the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, It. I think a lot of this series felt kind of like fan service to the prequels, like to fans mm-hmm. of the prequels especially, right? And like, mm-hmm. I have no problem with that conceptually, you know, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, I do feel like having that be the entirety of Qui-Gon's, like what's the point of Qui-Gon being a force ghost if he's like not going to actually be of use? You know, I, the thing is when they created <laughs> this idea of force ghosts, right? And run, Luke, run, you know? And like from from like the very first movie, like I think they... You know, the idea that they're so powerful and they can still influence the world and whatever, but then, like, they never use it practically. You know, they use it so little. It it feels like that never made a ton of sense. And the more dead Jedi you have create in your world, it makes less and less sense in a lot of ways, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I just feel like... Um, yeah, like Qui-Gon, he's like, oh, you weren't ready to hear. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, really? Like, he he needed to hear the most then. Like, can't right. you, like, can't, uh, uh, you know? Well, and that, that bothered me, actually. Okay. I mean, I'm glad there's something we're going to Yeah, finally. But it was right I, at the end. It bothered me. Like, I wasn't that invested in it, but I was like, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, can you say in a sentence what it was that Obi-Wan changed that now he can hear Qui-Gon? He accepted being a Jedi again. Yeah. And that as much as anything was his fault, he doesn't have to live his life in torment or penance for, like, not saving Anakin, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, that's fair. He got to apologize. Yeah. And he, he came to accept that he still has the ability to do good in the world. And I think that was something that he didn't particularly believe in at the beginning of the series. I I do think that there was a very Mm -hmm. strong character arc for Obi-Wan here. I do think if he'd had some dialogues with Qui-Gon that could have helped, I think this was the classic, oh, well, we have to make sure the master's dead so that the student can actually have this challenge. And then, like, the master can be at the end, you know, while they're celebrating with the Ewoks. But they can't actually give them any useful advice. (laughs) No, you have to face him alone. You know, it's like... That's fair. Why? I don't know. That's just because that's how they like to write stories. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. I. It then makes me wonder, like, 
if he figures out he can do good in the world, why is he then just waiting in a cave for 10 years? But 100%. Again, well, but it looks like that's not what he's is, doing, right? Is, he just moved out of the cave. Where's yeah. he going? Into season mm-hmm. two. I don't he know. Put, I mean. Yeah. And so he put his Jedi outfit back on at the end. Like, that's what that was, it right? It seems like it. Was that like his Jedi outfit? And yeah, I'm like, okay, Sherry, are they yeah. not hunting Jedi <laughs> out in the... Where are you he's going? He's just wearing his lightsaber. <laughs> like, what's up? You know? Well, especially because Vader wants to keep hunting him, but um, the Emperor's like, no, stop. And so Vader's like, okay, sorry, Dad. Um, it definitely <laughs> didn't give me a sense of, like, Vader's now at peace for the next 10 years till they run into them on a battle. No, a Death Star not either. at all. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. So... Uh, Vader's cape is so fierce. Like, if there's one thing that's consistent is the fierceness of his cape. That is yeah. true. I'll also say, we didn't see that much of him, but I am now convinced that Hayden Christensen is a decent actor. Like, I think he did, I think in the part that he had to do, he did quite well. And I thought, I thought the, um, the things they did going back and forth between between James Earl Jones's voice and Hayden's voice was phenomenal. Like, that I thought just... Tech, because it wasn't just like the helmet gets knocked off and now it's all Hayden. It's right. like even that last scene, there was some of both of them, and it went back and forth, and it was just so well done, and I absolutely loved it. I was like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the acting of both of those voice actors, but also just the the way it was technically done, was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I mean that was Hayden acting actually, right, with his left eye, and right. <laughs> yeah, he did have one moment when Reva was having her. Uh, flashback right before she was going to kill Luke yeah. and it showed her have like a moment with Anakin where he kind of like cocked his head to the side and I was like that is the most acting I have ever seen Hayden Christensen do <laughs> yeah. and he nailed it Yeah, he got, just he that face it. whatever that face was I really was like good job yeah, yeah I, I think having him in this series added a lot to to the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin and the dynamic between Anakin and Vader you know, I, I thought mm-hmm. that was very powerful. Like, you didn't fail me, Obi-Wan. You know, um, you, you didn't kill Anakin. I did. You know, it's like yeah. this mm-hmm. idea of like, I am Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker is sort of like the uh, cocoon that I was a chrysalis, you know, crystallized in or whatever. And then I had to break <laughs> out or whatever, you know, and yeah. like him seeing himself as Darth Vader, not as Anakin Skywalker and um, I will say that the one other thing in that fight that I thought was great that was like yeah why didn't anybody else do that before was Obi-Wan just like smashing the controls on his suit yeah oh yeah like you think that that's all you would ever go for. Right. And it's like Vader's like so badass that he's just like, whatever. I'm just going to have the buttons to my breathing machinery just right here on my chest. Like, come at me, bro. You know? <laughs> and Obi-Wan's like, all right. It was like Bane. <laughs> he, he did like, turn them off just to have a badass entrance in Rogue One. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. No, I, I thought that was great. I really liked that part. On the fan service thing, I, I think overall, like, yeah, I, I don't get why people say, oh, that's fan service, it's bad. I, I think the thing is when it feels like it is so gratuitously done just to check it off is when I understand it being bothered. Because to me, like, the thing I talked about before about, like, Anakin's helmet, half of Anakin's helmet being knocked off by Obi-Wan and half by, by uh, Ahsoka, that's 100% fan service. But it's to do, but it, well, I, I should say it checks a, I guess that's my point is to me, that feels like it is, it is referencing something earlier in a way that will make fans happy, but it's to make a very important point and it's brilliant storytelling. And to me, that's the, like, 
I think a lot of times it's that, but people call it fan service. Right. Whereas to me, Qui-Gon is there literally just so people can say, oh, look, there's Qui-Gon. And a little bit, you're right, to give the cap on his story arc. And so that's why, to me, it feels different. Yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense. I, to me, that's the difference between fan service and just something that fans are going to like, but that's just an integral part of the story, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, <laughs> the thing you're talking about being that reference to that, like, that is just... That's just good storytelling, you know, whereas the Mm Qui-Gon thing definitely felt or like having, you know, someone say a particular line like that's like that's, you know, that's the point there is is just for the fans. Right. It's like it's not for the story. There's no story reason for Obi-Wan to say hello there as opposed to like hello to to Luke at Mm -hmm. the end. Right. But the fans are like, ah, he said the thing. He said the thing. But like, on the other hand, that doesn't take anything away from the story. Right. Yeah. Like that's just fine. It just fits in perfectly. There's no reason he wouldn't say hello there. But there's spots where they do something or they have someone show up just so the fans will go crazy. But it's like, what does the? Why are they here? You know what I mean? And that that to me is what then I think is like sort of cringy fan service. Which which the Qui Gon wasn't to me. That didn't feel mm-hmm. cringy. I was like, didn't you say last week that was the one thing you kind of wanted to yeah. see? Yeah. But you want. But Matthew, but they didn't you wanted do to it. see like um, some substantive. Yeah, I wanted to actually them, right? see it. I, 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 yeah. To me, I wanted Qui-Gon to actually be in the show, not to have it just be to check off the box. Right, right, right. And this felt like <laughs> it was just checking the box. Not in an offensive way, but it was lacking in the strong positive. Like, yeah, it, it, it felt like someone rate. saying, let's get Qui-Gon in to have Qui-Gon in. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, you just want know. your cake and you want to eat it too. I want my cake with sprinkles <laughs> on it. Strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and- I do. That's fair. But but I think here's the difference. I think like and this is not praise my this is just kind of talking about I think there's a big difference between saying I would have liked this more if it had this versus I think this is bad because it doesn't have this. Sure. You know? And like it's funny, there's one particular TikToker, and I don't want to say him by name. He's a young guy, uh looks kinda of like tan and has like a, a backwards blue hat that he wears in the video. And he's just being a total idiot about how this is what I wanted from Obi-Wan and it didn't give me this. So it's terrible and it's bad. And then episode five happened and he made a video where he was like, oh, now they gave me the thing. So now now it's an OK show. And there have been so many people making reaction videos to him saying like, you idiot. Like that was the whole, just wait, be patient, you know, mm. or like critiquing because he is very much of that. Unless you give me exactly what you want, it's bad. But I'm laughing because, like, the amount of views this person probably has that I've seen literally dozens of reaction videos calling out how bad he is. It's like, stop giving him credit. Right, right, right. Um, That is a very effective way. I mean, getting people riled up and whatever is – it's a – it's an effective way of driving traffic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're, we're for gonna the Jedi... We're going to have a word about that in a little while, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but for the Jedi, it is time to eat as well. So, you know, you've yeah. you got to patience and all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Which, exactly. I will say, I just found out that's the line. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I, when Yoda says, mm, patience, for the Jedi, it is time to eat as well. Like, I thought he said, it is time to bid as well. Like, like bid oh. your time or whatever. Or bide okay. your time. Like, but but he says he says it's time to eat as well. It's very oh, hard no, to I, understand I, Yoda sometimes. Right? I would quote that mm. to my mother all the time when I was like, "Where's dinner?" It is time to eat as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't know what he was saying because I yeah. didn't have captions on because I was watching that on VHS before George Lucas ruined them. I, I had Betamax. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, Betamax. Yes. <laughs> Did it come on Betamax? I feel like they didn't really put out all the movies on Betamax. 
Star Wars definitely did. Okay. I think I think Empire did too. I'm not sure if mm. Return of the Jedi ever did. Right, but. that was before the fall of Betamax. Yep. Yep. Nice. Uh, like I said, we had some feedback that we wanted to talk about. Uh, any other last comments though before we get into that? I don't know. I hope we get another. I hope we get one more season. I liked it. <laughs> I, I I think. <laughs> <laughs> like where they are now, I feel like they could do another season that was completely different and I would enjoy it. Or a movie. Like yeah. I wouldn't want Luke. I wouldn't want Leia. Like I would want Obi-Wan yeah. off doing some totally different thing, you know? And like I mm-hmm. feel like you could tell a story with Reva in it that would be interesting. Probably more in like the sort of scum and villainy world because she's kind of yeah. like an outcast now and she grew up in the gutter and whatever. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one other tiny, tiny point. We've seen that live-action Cad Bane can work. I could see that that being a fun team-up. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, again, this is one of those, like, I would have liked to see it. I don't think the show ever uh, owed it to me. But one of the things that I found a little hard about Boba Fett was that it gave us this, like, beginning of the story of the Sand People. And then I thought mm. kind of just killed them off to advance his story. Because the Tuscans, I should say Tuscans, not Sand People, because the Tuscans were such a big part of the story in the in the novel Kenobi. Yeah. I was definitely hoping for more of that. Oh yeah. Didn't get it. Mm. That's fine. But if we got a season two, yeah, I would love it to be a much smaller stakes, him trying to to find his way, him talking to Qui-Gon. Yeah. Right. And we'll see. We might get it. Yeah, kind of like a just like a wanderer like trying to do good things. Like I think that would be an interesting story. Maybe are going to find Yoda. Sure, yeah. Do they not see each other again before a new hope? Obi-Wan and Yoda, or... You know, I, I would take that fan service. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I wonder? Cause I, I think if nothing else, Ewan McGregor is such a great actor and so enjoys it. I don't know if we'll get another Kenobi show, but for example, like, Andor is all about, like, mm, the early yeah. days of the Rebellion. I could see Obi-Wan mm-hmm. showing up there somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think a lot of these characters, like, I don't know if they're doing a second season of Boba Fett, yeah. right? But right. I think Boba Fett could show up again in someone else's series, you know? And I think yeah, that would like be cool. Mandalorian. Yeah. Right, exactly. Or even, like, Boba Fett could show up in Andor, like, but in, like, mm-hmm. a backstory way, in his armor and everything, yeah. you know? It would be a mm-hmm. different Boba Fett, uh, you know, the Boba Fett that kills a lot more people. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just like an entire tribe, you know, group of bikers and, uh, you know, all the political people and all yeah. the, the pikes. And... I, certainly, I think Tamora Morrison is going to be in a lot more. It might be Boba Fett. Oh, for sure. It might be other clones, yeah. you know. But Yeah, clone trooper, you know. But he five, five, he, five, he no, and C. Dead. Bradley Baker are going to have the two longest IMDb pages because it's just like, how many roles <laughs> I mean, C. Bradley Baker pay? It's probably a, but, well, that, that guy we did the interview with, uh, Matt Carroll and I, uh, Zach Garrett, who did the Occupation Rainfall movie mm-hmm. with him from the Australian production company, they just got greenlit for two more movies. Oh, that's awesome. And he's a, ma- like, he's a lead in that. Okay. So, yeah, he well, is busy. That's yeah. right. That Tamora Morrison, you mean? Mm-hmm. Nice. Good for him. Yeah, he's a great actor. D. Bradley Baker does already have maybe the longest IMDb <laughs> page in history. Voice actors tend to have just monstrous ones, right. and he's got so many credits. But even if you take everything else away, I think he has something like 70 different credited roles in Star Wars. In, in Star Wars. Yeah, just as like 70 different clones. Just in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Wow. Right, right. Yeah, easily, easily, that's true. Easily, yeah. 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 I could see that. This is my last, my closing point, just a tiny, tiny, tiny detail. I really like how they change the intro for every series. Mm-hmm. And in this one, and like the last image or last two images, like in Book of Boba Fett, it's like Boba Fett, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's always 
like masks or like helmets or droid faces. It's never organic faces. Right. And in this one, the last one is Darth Vader and the one just before it is Lola. So they have like Lola and then just in that intro, that's like the, I don't know. So I just like, I just like that detail, you know, that they just have that little thing in the intro credits and it's like, you got Lola in there. Although I don't know, I'm, I, I'm not ready for like finding out what happens to Lola because she doesn't seem to make it to a new hope. Yeah. Which is very upsetting. Even Star Wars Rebels. So hopefully she, she goes off to a, maybe her. Yeah. She, she goes to stay somewhere other than Alderaan because we know that place is not safe. Yeah. Yeah, kind of be messed up if Obi-Wan shows up on Alderaan. Right. (laughs) All right, so overall ranking, where does this show fall for you in terms of other Star Wars media? Um, Right, like a middle, like a middle. Yeah. See, it's hard to say because I really did like Book of Boba Fett because I like what started happening in the, like they brought Mandalorian Mm -hmm. in and like, how dare they do that? You know, (laughs) I can't judge this show properly now. And then you brought Ahsoka and you brought Luke and everybody. So it's hard to compared those two but i feel like those two for me are, are on the same level because i love mando yeah. but i like that better than you know the attack of the clone mm. yeah. yeah well yeah <laughs> i'll say for me it's like sort of like mid bottom like i think i liked all the other seasons like i look at them as like seasons like mando one mando two book of boba fett kenobi yeah. i definitely liked those three better than kenobi mm-hmm. um this one definitely finished strong for me though you know, like mm-hmm. the highlights of this were maybe on a level as most of the highlights on the other one. Like there might be parts of this that I liked better than any of the parts of Book of Boba Fett. But the parts I yeah. liked least of Bo- Book of Boba Fett, I liked more than the parts I liked least of this. You yeah. know, and then the, the, in terms of the movies, like I think every single series that I've seen, you know, like Clone Wars, Rebels and all these live action series, I like more than easily half of the movies, you know, so... So this probably probably is about middle, you know. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that's probably where I am. I think I think Mando season one and and yeah, I think Mando one and two and Boba Fett. I think all would rank ahead of it. I think it's definitely like I'm part of it, kind of like some of the middle seasons of Clone Wars. You know, where I think like mm. I, I was very rarely bored, except maybe this last episode. Um, I think, and I was very rarely like upset. Like there were a couple points where I was like, eh, right. it doesn't really fit, but. I, I, I got upset for an hour, and then I got over it, and after ranting about it to you all. Um, right. You know, I think that I, more and more I feel like I want to look at things like Star Wars or MCU by two fairly different rubrics, one of which is how just technically good is it in acting, writing, directing, and how much does it add to the Star Wars story? Um, the first one was fine. I thought it was decent at times. The second one, I feel like it just didn't really – like I don't feel like I learned much more about Obi-Wan as a character, which is what I wanted to learn most. I got to see some of Leia, but I don't think I learned much more. I don't think I learned too much more about the world. It opened a lot of doors that I want to see it go through more. Um, But we'll see. So, yeah, I think it's – I'm glad it happened. I don't think it was a waste. I'm glad we got to watch it, and uh, we'll see where we go from here. Uh, So Mm -hmm. we're going to do some feedback after a quick break. But for anyone who doesn't want to listen to that, uh, this is just because we've gotten some – there's one piece of feedback that I think makes some really valid criticisms that we want to talk about. And then also I want to talk about some about negative feedback culture and just kind of what that's about. Uh, but for anybody who wants to check out earlier, you know, thank you so much for being a fan. Of course, the way to give us feedback, which we love, is go to theethicalpanda.com. There you can find all the ways to contact us. Uh, but of course, both Paul and Ashley are doing a lot of other great stuff on their own. Uh, so, Paul, where can they find stuff you're doing? They can find me as Zen Madman on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Zen Madman Poker on YouTube, and like, 
I guess I have like a Discord or something now. I don't know. Just search for Zen Madman on whatever thing you like to use, and like I'm probably there. I did just want to give one small response to what you just said, though. Oh, go for it. Sure. Just in terms of kind of grading things on different levels. Like, I personally actually felt like this was an extremely well executed story from a technical standpoint. Like, mm-hmm. I thought the acting across the board was really strong. Absolutely. Um, there were things that felt a little awkward to me. I feel like most of that was the writing. I think almost every complaint I have about this series is the writing yeah. and some of the choices in terms of, like, just having Obi-Wan be a butcher or whatever, you know? But in terms of, like, the the camera work, the music, the editing, the cinematography, the acting, um, the directing, because I don't think you get just across the board great acting performances. Oh. Yeah. without the you know uh, mm-hmm. direction like uh, Deborah Chow had in this and and so I just think technically it was really really well done um, and just it was just a story I didn't love overall you know yeah. and so like you know like some Star Wars things I can if I want to rewatch I can just fast forward to the lightsaber <laughs> scenes and enjoy those and some of the character moments you know and, and yeah. uh, kind of you know solve chess puzzles during the parts I don't like as much. They got me uh, extra happy at the end because they started playing the Star Wars themes. Oh, like yeah. they played the Imperial March yeah, yeah, and then they, they had the yeah. Star Wars music at the end. And I'm yeah. just over here swooning because that's what it yeah, does. Right. So the, the music is- it doesn't matter what's happening yeah. as long as, you know. But then they also like- had some original themes, you know, like if there was a new theme. Well, for, yeah, the John the, Williams, o- the, the Kenobi one. Right. Yeah. I was talking about for me. Oh, I know. I'm I'm, I'm trying to piggyback (laughs) off what you're saying, saying that they do all that. And then they also Mm -hmm. add some, because I think some people were complaining that they had a bunch of original music in this and that it wasn't all the old things. But like, no, you can't do no, that. No, there was there was a bunch of good new music, and then also, then they're like, okay, here's the imperial. Here march. you go. Okay, there yeah. you go. There it is. Yeah, no, I agree. The more I think about it, the more like I don't think there's a single acting performance in the prequels that is anywhere near as good as Leia, Riva, Va- you know, any any of the major acting performances in this. So yeah, I think you're right. Technically, it, it is very very good. It should, it, Deborah Chow, I know, is going to do more Star Wars stuff. I'm super excited for that. So yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Ashley, she did some of my favorite Mando episodes. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, mean, mm. I already knew she was. Ashley, I think it's just horrible that you don't have your own podcast. Uh, is that going to get fixed anytime soon? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, now that you mention it, uh, I do have my own podcast now. Uh, it is called Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. You can find it in all the things. Did I say that like bushy? Terror. All the things. <laughs> Terror. Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. This is about horror movies, uh, yeah. not wine. T E R R O R. Yeah. All that ter. Uh, but yeah, we're on uh, Spotify and iTunes now, and um, we're just having a good time. We're um, you know talking about news in the horror movie world and recommendations, and we have like a feature film for each one. Uh, our first one was American Werewolf in London. Our next one is Poltergeist. So yeah, nice. it's a learning experience. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm very interested in like the history of horror movies, and so I'm very curious to see if you did. Well, I really can't wait to listen to what you say about Poltergeist. I also keep uh, if you ever do um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like I've I've read mm-hmm. a lot of interesting stuff about how like in the 50s with McCarthyism, like horror became the one thing that like McCarthy and the people like that didn't care about. So you can make these like (laughs) very interesting, like cold war references that no one noticed. So yeah, I can't wait to go into that. That's brilliant. It's I I will say I listened to episode one and I enjoyed it despite not having seen the movie that they were covering. Yeah. And, and not having, which is important because yeah, 
that's what we were kind of going for. Yeah. So if you didn't see it, you could kind of still get so I could see it in my mind's back. eye. And I know you wouldn't lie yeah. to me. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, you I wouldn't. mean, you know, I'll tell yeah. you if I don't like something. Yeah, <laughs> like, so I, I think was I've very established excited that about your feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I have a long road trip coming up this weekend. I'm driving across country, and so you, I'm gonna have your episodes kind of queued up for that. So. Looking forward to it. Nice. Thank you. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening. We're going to have a little bit more of, like I said, a response to some feedback right after this commercial break. Normally, I do feedback on the episodes with uh, Ricky and Sarah. We will continue to keep doing that with most of the feedback. But we had one feedback that specifically mentioned Paul that I wanted to give him a chance to respond to. And then we also had some feedback that is a little more critical that I just got today and kind of wanted to respond to today. So we're going to get into that. But first, let me uh, go to this first piece of uh, feedback. Dylan Anderson writes in, hello, y'all. I'm enjoying the podcast, but do have some criticism, which awesome. I want to say, like, I like I like constructive criticism. I think you offer this in a really great way. This is awesome. I just feel like you have too many classic Star Wars fans on the show. It seems like Matthew already sort of fills that role as sequel on a pedestal person. And to be clear, I think what he means here is that, like, the original movies, he's calling the sequels because they're the sequels to the prequels. But they're actually the prequel. Like, as I, th- I see it is there's the original there's the prequels and then there's the sequels. Yeah, because that's what happened. Right. We used to refer to them as the postquels, but either way, right, right, I, right. I think I think what he means here is because if you think I've got the sequels on a pedestal, yeah, well, yeah, no, this clearly talking about the original trilogy, right? Uh, and they do that real well. Well, thank you. While still being open and accepting of new Star Wars, Paul at least comes off as anything that isn't the sequels, the originals, is bad, and I'm mostly just going to complain about it. It seems like someone who loves the prequels, Clone War, Rebels, I know the last two are pretty universally loved on the show, could bring a lot to the show and the show's dynamics. Probably someone who grew up with the prequels. Anyways, just wanted to give some advice I thought would be helpful to the show and the show's success. Thankful for all you keep doing. Thank you for all you guys do and keep the content coming. Uh, Dylan, I just want to first say thank you so much. I am certainly open to constructive feedback. I think this is very helpful. I have some thoughts on it. I want to let Paul and Ashley respond to it. Um, but please know we don't just want, you know, stuff that tells us how great we are. That's nice to hear. But I love feedback like that. I think we also got some constructive feedback uh, that Ricky and I talked about on the uh, – Ricky and Sarah and I talked about in the last episode. Um, but, yeah, I have some thoughts here. But, Paul, what, what's your what's your response? Yeah. Um, well, so first of all, I do think that having – someone on at least from time to time who who loves the prequels would definitely have value you know i mean i think that's a good perspective that i certainly don't share you know um i vividly remember going to the theater to see um phantom menace and having been so excited by the poster that was just like the little boy anakin and his shadow was oh, darth vader so good. such oh, a good yeah. like top one movie posters of all time, you know, <laughs> like such a good movie poster. And I had a little bit of apprehension because I think that was after George Lucas had re-released the originals mm-hmm. with some editing done. Um, I think then he kept going back and making more and more edits, which I just don't understand. And when I found out that George Lucas was going to be the director and writer of, of Phantom Menace, I was a little concerned. But like I was still going in hopeful and was just very disappointed, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I just don't like the prequels. Like, um, I think in terms of filmmaking, like I have some things to say about them, but mostly just they they don't tell the story the, the way that I would want to tell the story. Um, 
And, you know, the sequel trilogy, which is not the original trilogy, but like the um, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker, I have varying opinions on. Um, but, like, all of the TV shows I, I like to love. I mean, Kenobi... I started off pretty slow for me. It definitely got a lot better. Mandalorian season two started off pretty slow for me. Got a lot better. Um, Book of Boba Fett, I I liked a lot. I mean, I would say I loved it, you know. And Clone Wars, like, I kind of tried to get Matthew to watch Clone Wars a few years before they finally decided to actually to watch it, right? I mean, I watched it, like, twice in Spanish, once in German. I think I finally saw it in <laughs> English recently when my wife started watching yeah. him. And and she powered through that and Rebels and The Bad Batch, which also I think I enjoyed most than, more than most people did. I mean, I literally own the discs of the first two seasons of Rebels, um, from like right when they came out. And I, I just didn't get that into it right in the beginning. The first season I didn't love in the first part, but like now actually going back, I, I enjoy it a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, the second and third seasons I think are fantastic. The fourth has more of kind of the prequel challenges, I think, because it's leading right up into something else, right. you know? Um, but yeah, just, I mean, I don't know. I definitely don't only love the original trilogy. I am absolutely very critical of things that I dislike or think are bad. I try to do so not in a way that's like judging other people for liking them. Like if you like, you like what you like. I'm not going to give you a hard time for liking what you like unless it's like Nazis, mm -hmm. you know, like not like as villains, but like as, you know, heroes. Like, yeah, probably not that. <laughs> probably don't do that. So like if you think the Empire are the good guys, I don't know. We can have words. <laughs> but, but like... Yeah, and, and so I, I do think that would be nice to have, like, another perspective in terms of some some people who, who really do like um, the prequels. And, you know, I deliberately didn't want to be on The Last Jedi episode because I, I just hate the movie. I hate the movie as much as I've ever hated any movie. And, like, I don't think it's all a bad movie. I think there's good filmmaking going on. But, like, I don't really – I don't enjoy podcasting on things that I dislike that much, yeah. you know. And – Maybe committing to being on every every episode of Kenobi was a mistake. I don't know. Originally, the reason I didn't commit to being on every episode of Book of Boba Fett was I didn't know if I would love it or if I'd really dislike it, you know? And so, like, I don't mm -hmm. love sitting around talking about things I really don't like. Um, but on the other hand, if it's like, well, we're going to cover a show and then it does some stuff and I'm like, I really didn't like this. I'm just going to say that 100% of the time. Yeah. And, you know. That's the deal. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I have some thoughts. Actually, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I grew up with the first three, you know, the the midi ones, if the you prequels. want, whatever you want. I was 15. I was 15 when the prequel mm, right. came out. And that doesn't, I can say that they're not great quality movies. I mean, there's things about them that I absolutely love because I like the characters and the story. But trying to swallow the dialogue mm. and just some of the, the choices, it's just, you know, you can't put those up against even like even the last jedi the way that the dialogue and the the, the way that things are presented at, at least are in more of like a theatrical film like quality that you expect from these movies the first three i, I mean the scripts just felt like i could have wrote the script yeah you know yeah i think that's fair and i think for me as, as kind of the host and the organizer of these you know it used to be to get people onto a Star Wars podcast. I really had to work hard to get people lined up and stuff like that. We're now, and I think it's kind of true about Star Wars fans in general, we're kind of an embarrassment of riches. Um, because I think, uh, I mean, let me back up and start saying, like, I think, I think you're making very good points. And I think 
I know that my perspective is somewhat limited because of the, you know, not limited in a bad way, but just I have my own perspective. And I think I've talked about this, but maybe I should talk about it more. I have made a very conscious effort to listen to, especially on TikTok, the voices of those people who did grow up with the prequels. And maybe because they were a little younger, or just they saw it differently, but who, who saw them very differently than I think any of the three of us, for whom, you know, Re Revenge of the Sith is their favorite movie. And they think Anakin Skywalker is a, you know, the people who were super excited for Hayden Christensen to come back because they thought he was a great actor. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I, I think it's a very good point to say that we need to have more of that kind of perspective on this podcast. I would say, I think if you listen to the feedback episodes or the ones that we do with um, Clone Wars and... Uh, Rebels, we've done episode by episode coverage. Riki and Sarah Hayashi, but especially Sarah Hayashi, is very much that. Sarah was super on Team Hayden. I think she will give a lot more of that perspective. Um, and I'm not saying this to defend it. I'm just saying I, I think there is some of that in the overall Star Wars Universe podcast. In an ideal world, I think I might have gotten it a little bit differently. Maybe it would have been better to have her on as, as, with the three of us or instead of one of the three of us. But there's also just like their schedules to line up. We wanted to make sure we had an episode come out right after the original ep uh, episode came out that we could do, and we had a line of our schedules and the Hayashi schedules. So I think I think it's a very fair criticism. I think I'm not always going to get the exact crew that, that might be perfect for each thing, because I think the three of us have a very particular dynamic that is fantastic that I also don't want to break up. Um, I would say one thing I would definitely check out is the uh, Kenobi Clone Wars Primer episode we did. That's with Danielle, who's uh, on TikTok, uh, written in the Star Wars. She is 100% unapologetically a Clone Wars lover. She's very uh, open about that. I definitely want to get her on because I think she's got a perspective that is exactly what uh, you're talking about, Dylan. And I think she added a lot to that episode. I think she can add a lot to other episodes. But I also think, frankly, there is a lot of content out there by people who every now and then I feel a little bit like, wait, really? Everyone thinks the Clone Wars are the best <laughs> movies ever? Um, and so I kind of like having three crotchety old folks, even though we shouldn't call them crotchety old folks because I'm being ageist. But, you know, three people. So... I don't know. I'm trying to say, like, I think there's some valid, valid criticism here. I also think, like, you know, Paul said, we all have our perspectives. I'm going to try and bring in more of those voices, but I'm also going to try and keep the voices we have. So it's a lot to balance, but uh, I appreciate it. We'll keep thinking about that and keep trying to, you know, when the Ahsoka show comes out, see uh, who, whose voices we can get into balance. Damn, I feel like one shitty feedback just got me and Paul fired. <laughs> no, no, you're not being okay. – that, that's the whole point. Like, I, I think it's great the dynamic the three of us have. It might not be the podcast for everyone because of that. I think that's totally fine. I think we're going to try and find that balance of that is still going to be sometimes just let's love the original trilogy and love everything that came after it in or, or not. I don't know. I'm babbling. Um, but yeah, no, I think <laughs> I love the perspective the three of us have. I definitely want to keep that and we'll see what else we can do. One note that I just wanted to add on the original trilogy, not the original trilogy, on the, the prequel trilogy is that I, from reading some comments from George Lucas, it seems like Hayden Christensen and... Uh, Natalie Portman and everybody really gave the performances that George Lucas wanted. Yeah. And so clearly mm -hmm. he was going for something very clear with that trilogy. Right. And I believe achieved it. And that was what some people are really into. And I'm very, I'm always happy that like there are people who enjoy those things. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just for me, I'm like, yeah, that just, that's not, I know some people really don't like the Ewoks. I'm like, I love the Ewoks. It's okay if you don't love the Ewoks. You think they're silly and goofy and they just wanted to sell toys. I think the Ewoks wanted to eat people and, like, they're really badass but also adorable. And I love it. But, like, you know, if you don't, that's fine. I'm not angry at you. You know, like, we like different things. You know, George was going for different things at different points in time. 
All right, let me get to the other bit of feedback we have. And this is kind of an interesting story because I referenced that we got some pretty terrible feedback that was attacking uh, a couple of things in some pretty underhanded ways. You know, fair enough, we get that from time to time. And we've talked about there being some not great people, and I assume some of them are going to write back in. Um, and I made a point just to kind of talk about it generally. This person had said, like, he was going to find, or this person had said they were going to find another podcast. So I was like, okay, sure, they're not going to listen, so I'm just going to talk about it very broadly. But they then wrote in again to tell me all the things they thought about the feedback, about their uh, comment that they weren't going to keep listening. So uh, Ashley gave me the inspiration for this, but I will tell you, if you're still listening, clearly you just can't quit me. And I and I appreciate that. I respect <laughs> where you're coming from there. Um, but I want to, I'm like, look, if you're going to keep coming in, we're going to talk about you because you're kind of, I don't want to make it all about bashing this one person, but I do want to talk about just how both ridiculous some of these critiques we're getting are but also how incredibly offensive because they 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 dive into one of the most pernicious and frankly dangerous slanders that's used against queer people today uh so let's start with just the first one which actually i think you might have a thought or two on as a representative of something else they're talking about i love the marvel cinematic universe podcast and i've been trying to listen to the star wars universe podcast i love the guests so good job y'all this is just me but i'm finding it hard to like the host the knowledge of Star Wars is not the problem, which, ooh, you're not listening well enough because I, I there's a lot of problems with my knowledge of Star Wars. <laughs> the constant rambling and talking down to listeners on some topics ruins the podcast. The voice is barely listenable, but forgivable on Star Wars topics. But rambling on sexual preference or silencing all discussion on acting or writing with a character as a woman or person of color, keep it Star Wars. In the meantime, I'll be looking for another podcast. I'm sorry you're, you haven't found another one. You, you, good luck. There's some other good ones out there. Yeah. Um, I don't have time. Well, what he says is, I do tea have time racists. <sighs> I think this means I don't have time racists. I don't, yeah. Or their for, partners. Yeah. In make, I don't have time for racists or, ma- or their partners in making it all about that topic, social justice warriors. So what do you all think? Ashley, <laughs> I think you had some thoughts you wanted to share. I mean... I was like, wait, did the racist just call us racist? <laughs> like, you don't get to take that. You don't get to take that word back. And I've noticed that that's been happening now where people who are being extremely racist are accusing people of color or, you know, people of groups that they're actually the racist ones. And I'm just like, wow. Okay, like, do I even really need to point out to you the problems with everything that you just said? I like, I like, I like, except for you racist and you're like, you already said that you like the guests. You don't get to take it back. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, how did you, how did you even, the fact that that was where you went to at the end of that is you're disgusting. I'm sorry. That's just disgusting for like, is it attention you want? Cause you got it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. And uh, Well, Paul, uh, I, oh. I, was, I think there is yeah, a legitimate ahead. thing here that I think is not, there's more detail to this talk about Reva that I want us to, get into one more time but uh paul if you want to jump in as well go ahead yeah so first of all i think you have a lovely speaking voice well thank you um (laughs) i i i I like that it's a little higher pitched than mine and so i sound a little deeper and you you know fuller but um (laughs) but yeah i mean i do think the racist thing is like basically the like oh you're talking about race so you're racist you know Mm -hmm. and it's like you just need to totally ignore race like i I'd freaking love to live in a world where we could just do that, you know, and often when I do end up talking about it, I feel this very unpleasantness and this sort of like, like this is like burdened by this like 
understanding of people like looking at the world in this really messed up way. But it's like, but that's how people look at the world and we have to deal with that. Like we're not going to get Mm -hmm. to a world where we don't have to think about race without thinking about it first. Right. And and that's the thing. But like also, I don't know. I do not feel like censored in terms of talking about like, I, I mean, the last comment was literally about how much I'm criticizing things and I do not, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I do not feel like, I am not able to criticize a character or um, a performance because of their gender or because of their um, race or or whatever. Like, I I just criticize what I criticize. Like, we do talk about how there is a lot of, um, I think, uh, bad faith criticism that's Mm -hmm. basically just somebody that's coming from, from a racist place and, like, And again, it's like, I feel like I don't want to talk about it so much and I don't want to let the people who are making that the conversation make that the conversation. But at the same time, it does feel like you have to address it some, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, I I think, and, and I mean, and also like Star Wars like has a history, you know, like you were just talking about of there is racism within the content and so, like, on the one hand, if you're like, oh, you're ruining my racist thing by making it less racist, it's like, all right, I, I, I guess you're not wrong. But, like, yeah, on the other hand, me a river. right, like, <laughs> you're making it better by making it less racist. And if you want to say such and such feels a little off to you or whatever, that's fine. But, like, yeah. you know, the idea that, like, we're not able to to criticize somebody because of their race or gender just feels like, like, you just made that up. Like, we literally spent two episodes criticizing various things and like to the point where it felt like maybe that's too much focus on that. I wish I liked the series more. Oh, now at the end I do like the series more because it got more in line with what I want to see, right? Whether that's Mm -hmm. better or just like, just what I like, it's what I like. And so like, yeah, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, what are you talking about? (laughs) I I think that's the point. And we'll get into more of that with the second comment, but because to me, I think, if anyone ever listens to me and thinks that I'm saying that if you don't like this character, you're racist or you're sexist, that's not the point. And I think I think if you listen to one or two sentences of mine out of context, maybe you can get that. And I need to be a little more – I think Paul talking to you especially, but also uh, Ashley with you especially with some of the sexism stuff and just in general. I, I think if you go back and listen to me two, two years ago or even maybe a couple months ago, I'm not as careful about that as I should be. And I'm trying to be a lot more so. But I think that to me the point we're always trying to make is – Look, you can not like something, but if a whole bunch of people agree with you for pretty terrible reasons, I think it's worth taking a second to look at your own internal biases, you know? Like, when there have been women characters who I didn't like, and a whole bunch of people were like, oh, God, I hate this woman because I don't like powerful women or whatever, yeah, it makes me stop and look at it. And sometimes I think maybe my own biases are affecting me a little more than I like to admit. And other times I'm like, no. I like this character. I just think this writing for this particular character is bad, you know? And I think that's something we're, re- we're all in support of here. So, but apparently <laughs> that message was not conveyed. Uh, part two came in again today. Comically, they just started like this. Comically, you respond to those calling you out for accusing anyone who disagrees with you on characters as being racist or sexist by calling them all sexist and racist. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then you say you don't do that. Well... Well, you did just say you don't do that. <laughs> they got a point there. This is, I mean, this is just straight up Fox News. This is exactly what, and yes, I'm being political. I don't care. Like, this is how 
argumentation works. And it's happening a lot more on the right in this country, but it can happen from any direction. I think leftists can use this too. But like when you construct a little box for someone and you put every one of their arguments into a box, you, you can argue with yourself all you want, but as long as you listen to me while you do it and give me your ad dollars, I'm happy. So go on. <laughs> Here's where it gets real bad, though, especially. Additionally, hoping that an adult character wants to and will have sex with child characters makes a person a pedophile. One of your hosts has done this on multiple occasions. I don't care if they add gay or lesbian characters. As a parent, I do have an issue with the promotion or normalization of pedophilia. Discussing true social issues addressed by the writers is appropriate. Rewriting to advocate for criminal sex acts with children is not standing up for the LGBTQ plus community. Maybe your sponsors might take issue since you told us all to stop listening if we don't agree with you. Well, here's the thing. I've told you, but you won't stop. So clearly I'm not very good at it. So I think my sponsors are fine with that part. Um, but okay, I'm going to stop. Thanks for caring about our <laughs> yeah, sponsors. Yeah, that's though. very thoughtful. Right? Let's give a shit what Manscaped thinks about yeah, there this. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> sorry, what, ask a question? I'm oh, sorry. Can we, st- yeah, question at the top, hand in the back. Um, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Who the hell was talking about having sex with children? What are you talking about, psychopath? Who, what are you talking about? What do you that, mean? That was going to be my question. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, what? I, I don't know. There may be some reference we're talking about, about two characters where I, I'm. They said it wasn't you. Right? They said it was somebody one of you else. Hosts. Earlier they said oh, one of the you host hosts. versus all the guests. Now they're saying one of the hosts. So, I, I mean, I'm the one who talks most okay. about LGBTQ I, stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what are like pairings that I've talked about in terms of wanting things on. In Kenobi? N- you know, like. Uh, maybe not Kenobi. Yeah, maybe it's on some other Maybe it's Star Wars from thing. like the Clone Wars, like Ahsoka. Does somebody like ship Ahsoka and Anakin or something? Or. I don't know. I don't even but know. But it was, he, was, he, he was saying that like using an L- LGBTQ reference yeah yeah was making it better somehow like what are you talking about here's the thing we can joke Uh, about this a lot and i think it's hilarious because i think this person's a complete idiot but it's not funny though it's really gross it's because that that's the thing is we could joke about it and it it is gross it's awful and frankly it's a slander that is dangerous Mm. one of the worst ideas that people have which by the way there is no basis for in fact whatsoever is that there's any linkage between homosexuality or any kind of queerness and pedophilia. You know, as a number of people have pointed out, drag queens reading storybook stories to kids, there has not been a single report of anything wrong ever having in that situation, as opposed to maybe priests reading stories (laughs) to kids. Yeah. Where there's a... None. I'm speaking as a former pastor there. But, sorry, this is what I'm really worked up about because... Not a mother, but if I had a child, I would rather leave him with a gaggle of drag queens versus one member of the clergy. I'm sorry. Kids going to get great makeup tips, whatever their gender is. (laughs) Yeah. And they're going to learn how to be nice and caring for everybody. Uh, (laughs) Can I I just contribute a a very brief personal moment? Um, Like my first babysitter was also the first person I found out was gay. Mm -hmm. Like when I found out like being gay was a thing when I was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 or something like that. And like... There, there, there was nothing like yeah. there was no, I have been harassed by gay men. I've been harassed by women. Like that's a thing that as an adult by adults, and it's not like that doesn't happen as, for children, but it's just, it's not like, that's not, you know, this thing that happens all the time, you know, yeah. it's like, like 
I, I made a joke about the Catholic priests. Even there, it's been documented that, like, that has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with access, you know, in terms of who mm. people have access to. And, yeah. like, the thing is, right now, we are seeing a resurgence in these laws attacking queer people, attacking trans people, <clears throat> you know, that don't say gay laws. There are literally children being taken away from their parents or parents being sued for child abuse because either the parent is trans or because the parents are supporting affirming health care for kids, which, by the way, is a huge like anti-suicide prevention. So if you say you're pro-life, but you don't want to like let kids, well, fuck you, because clearly you hate like you are. Sorry, it, it is really hard for me not to talk about this and get incredibly angry. Um, but yeah, this is this is this is a blood libel, and I say that as a Jew who is like you know I, that term leads to violence. This kind of idea of linking homosexuality, linking queerness to pedophilia, is completely false and it's completely dangerous. So I don't know why you're still listening. You keep saying you're going to quit the show, but please don't let the door hit the ass on your way out. I don't want your advertising dollars. I don't want you around at all. I have no idea how you watch Star Wars, but to anyone who thinks like this, fuck you. Stay the hell away from my podcasts. Yeah. And just so he like or this person knows. Yes, it's a heat. Big shocker. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we're not going to give you any more of our energy. So, you know what? Just like go for feedback. Just go get an envelope. Go scream into it. And then lick it, stamp it, and send it to someone who gives a shit because it's not us and we won't read a second of more of your of anything you have to say. And frankly, as one of the hosts of the MCU cast, uh, I don't want you as a fan over there either. I mean, we don't want that kind of hate polluting our our, our waves and, either. And some folks so, would be like, bye. why are you giving them this attention at all? It's because to me, because I'm sure other people agree with them. And I think it's important to talk about why. Like, I, I talked to a lot of friends about this. I talked to, talk to my therapist, actually, honestly, about should we do this or not? And got a lot of positive feedback and got a lot of, like, feel like, okay, it's better to ignore it. And I think most of the times that's the case. In this case, for whatever, I just uh, thought, and this was the, the, the pro-mental health standpoint, it just would, it, it would hurt me too much to stay silent about it. Like, we need to call out this kind of nonsense. We need to speak up about it because that's not what fandom should be. And besides that, um, people forget that we're people and that, you know, right, like, the voice thing, I had somebody leave on our iTunes thing that they won't ever listen to the cast again because I reminded them of my voice sounded like their ex-wife and they didn't want to hear the Fran Drescherness scratching down the chalkboard, you know? That sounds and like a them And problem. that's there forever on iTunes. Like, yeah. And the way that the hate mail, the way that people attack, it's like you called us, you know, you're referring to racism and pedophilia over Star Wars, over a Star Wars podcast. And you're talking to real mm -hmm. people. We're not, you know treat people better you know we're that's why when you get responses from me sometimes i'll talk back to people like i'm a real person you're not going to tell me how i think and expect me to just roll over because i you know oh you have to love me you have to love me no the reason i want you to like me as a person is because i'm always going to speak my truth i think fran drescher is like the second most iconic voice after like james earl jones Right, like I know, right? And that's the thing is, like, <laughs> actually, I, I want to have you on as many of my podcasts as I can because I love I love your thoughts, but also enjoy hearing your voice. I have never finished an episode of the of the, the nanny because I cannot stand that person's voice. So, <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I think it was more the wife. Yeah, part right, of that. right. I think that was more of a personal <laughs> issue that person was having. Yeah, I was like, that sounds like a you problem, exactly. not a me problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some projections gonna happen. So, yeah. Anyway, any last thoughts on that before we wrap up? I got nothing to add. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, 
And again, to like the 99.99% of our fans who are awesome, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, look, there are podcasts out there that are not going to get political at all. I think that's great. I spend time talking about just the characters, spend time talking about just the, you know, the T488s and the like, which droid is which and all that stuff. I love that those podcasts are out there. We're not going to try and be that. We're going to be a podcast with people from our own perspectives. We love the original series. We love some stuff. We have political views. We have social views. That's who we're going to be. If you're fans, fantastic. We're getting the negative stuff. And so if you listen to this, you're like, you know, I can't believe that. We, we love the kind of stuff we're doing. I'd love to get some support. Um, TheEthicalPanda.com. TheEthicalPanda at gmail.com. Matthew at TheEthicalPanda.com. Find it all there. Be a great time to write in some support. Great time to write in some five-star reviews. Uh, and if you share this kind of person's perspective, well, like I said, I don't, I, I'm happy to keep, ha- if you just can't quit me, well, that's a you problem and I'll keep spending your advertising <laughs> dollars. But if not, yeah. that's okay too. So Paul, yeah. Ashley, thank you so much for being awesome hosts. Thank you so much for being with me on this journey through Kenobi. I feel like I learned somewhat more about Star Wars from Kenobi than I, I didn't learn as much as I wanted to. I do think I learned a lot more about the show from listening to you too. So thank you so much for, for being that. Thank you to all your fans for being awesome. And most importantly, as fans, keep on being excellent to each other. Goodbye now. (laughs) Like it? I reversed it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Now this podcast is complete.